Thank you. Hey, guys. Ladies, men, kids, teenagers, all who are thirsty. I, uh, let's see here. I'm going to get settled in here. I'm a children's pastor, so I use color. Just giving you some, sometimes people say, hey, what's new and exciting? I'm not good at that question. The first thing that comes to my mind is, what's the flavor of the day at Culver's today? You know, I mean, like, um, truthfully, I'm kind of excited about the same old stuff. I love Jesus. I love my wife. I love my family. I want to make a difference in this world. But I don't get to be up here very often. Uh, so it's kind of like I just enjoy the little social experiment when we invite people to uh, shake hands with each other. You know, because some of us are just like, okay, okay, I know that's coming. All right, one person. I'm a task person. Hello. Task accomplished. <laughs> Awkward smile. Sit down, you know. Um, others of us are just like, uh, okay, I'll do this. Get rid of this dead fish handshake. Okay, great. Um, some of us are, you know, boom. I mean, it's hard to corral you back in because you're already on the other side of the room. You know, you're shaking hands with your 38th person. And the rest of us, you know, are just like, you're strange. And I don't want to touch that hand. Um, while some of us are still sitting right here saying, I've got these germs on my hand. And it's going to be hard for me to pay attention. Then there's a few of you that I noticed that are just like, no person with a microphone going to tell me what to do. I'm going to sit down. You want to shake their hand? If you think they're lonely, you come and shake their hand. So uh, you think you're here to celebrate. I'm just here that you're part of our grand little experiment. No. Well, I view life kind of that way. It's a little experiment. It's practice for what's on the other side. And um, when I was a kid, I was the oldest of three boys. Well, as an adult, I'm the oldest of three boys. I mean, nothing's changed. <laughs> but... Uh, we would draw pictures and we would, you know, bring things home from school. But I, because I was the oldest, um, I was able to, I learned how to color better than the other kids, you know, and, uh, and I could actually color in the lines and stay in the lines. And uh, I was actually talented enough at art as a young age to actually create my own pictures and then color in my own pictures. So while these guys were still wrestling with coloring books and staying in the lines, I'm creating my own coloring books and making nice, uh, unified, beautiful pieces of art. So I would bring them to my parents. They would say, thank you. Then my brothers would bring something that was a little bit messier than mine, and I would just kind of give a snide little, nice. Yeah, mom's just being nice to you. Yeah, that's not going to get up as high on the refrigerator as mine, probably. But my mom was pretty short, so everything was like at about this level. Um, so I was waiting for the day where I'd be tall enough to take over the freezer space, you know, back when freezers were up there. Um, well... The title of today's message is Loving Outside the Lines. Um, so I got to give you a little advanced uh, situation. So, so as we grew up, um, you know, I always prided myself that I could color in the lines. And that, and that was, to me, that was good artwork. And, uh, but then, then I had kids, started having kids. Um, and they would come and bring these messy art projects to me. I didn't think twice about whether they were in the lines or not. I'm like, that is awesome. Oh, my goodness. This is amazing. What is it? It's upside down, Dad. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, that's so great. Okay. And then we put that on the fridge. I mean, you know, we had to get a bigger fridge just because we kept having children, you know. And then I found out about that surgery you can have. And uh, 
I'm learning things in the wrong order as I go through life. Um, but here I am, talking about surgery in front of you. Um, it didn't matter. If they were my kids, whatever you did was great. Oh, yeah, I love it. I love it. Man, that is great. I have no idea what it is. And I'm sure you could have stayed in the lines a little bit, but uh, it's just different when they're my own kids. When they're my siblings, I'm better. When they're my kids, you're the best. You guys are the bomb. You can, whatever you do, you could, oh, man. Then they became teenagers, and then they could do all kinds of wrong. And, um, yeah, I can't even get to my fridge now that they're teenagers, if you know what I'm saying. Um, so loving outside the lines uh, is something that I, one of my favorite things to talk about, one of my favorite things to do, it's loving people the way that God loves us. I think one of the greatest ways that we can express our love to God is to love people like Jesus does. And so God's love, uh, since they don't allow me up here very often, and I'm hoping that Pastor Tom might listen to the message, I'm going to use some five-syllable words this morning. So I got this new app on my phone that's like how to sound smart on the internet. Um, yeah, then my, the whole thing crashed. My iPhone 3. Um, sorry, Pastor Tom, for you that would be an upgrade. Um, <clears throat> That's not a slam, it's just factual data. Okay. We love because Jesus first loved us. In 1 John, it says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. We are his children. And we love because he first loved us. Now, a lot of you know I work with the kids downstairs, and... um, I don't work with the kids. I minister to kids. We worship, we pray, we disciple, we train them. We, uh, we go through the word of God together. We interact, we have small groups, we play games. And we watch VeggieTales, my favorite ones, you know. And um, it's funny, the kids that have never seen VeggieTales, they're like, how's he playing a ukulele without arms? I'm like, dude, I asked that question 20 years ago. Man, get with the program. This is my 20th year doing children's ministry. So now some of the kids that I have down there, some of the kids that are coming are actually children of kids that used to be in kids' church for me. So that is super rewarding. You know, it's great. I'm not able to move as fast as I can. I got to pad the morning timeline just to allow me to get on and off the stage, you know, a little bit after some of those motion songs. But uh, I love what I do. And it is so rewarding to be in one place for a long time. And so... I'm just thrilled to be part of this church family, and uh, our, our vision, our mission for the children's ministry, and I've shared this before, is leading each child into a lifestyle of loving Jesus, and uh, that's what we've, that's been our mission for over 10 years, leading each child. It's, it's the whole idea of we're leading by example, and we're not leading groups, we're leading each child. Every child is important each child into a lifestyle. We're not leading them into a prayer. We're not leading them into a church meeting. We're not leading them into some religious commitment card. We're leading them into a lifestyle, a lifestyle, a way of life, of doing what? Of loving Jesus. Not into a lifestyle of serving Jesus, of going to church, of doing religious things, of following rules, of behaving a certain way. A lifestyle of loving Jesus. Now, just when you think, oh, that sounds like another thing to do, That's when 1 John matters a lot. 
We love because he, what? First loved us. So if we're going to have any shot at loving Jesus well, we're going to have to be completely aware of how much we are loved by him. So that's the premise of this whole talk today, is that we love because he loved us first. So um, I would like to pray. Um, And I'd just like to wait on the Lord for a moment. I have a sense that maybe some of us were here, are here this morning and um, you're carrying a heavy load. And I think some of us might not even be able to identify what it is that we're carrying. It's the middle of winter here in Midwest Wisconsin and sunshine has been a limited entity and just sometimes just winter takes a toll. Um... I just want to encourage those of us that just find ourselves in low places for reasons that we can't even explain, that God is in the low places with you. The Psalms say, though I walk through the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. God does not lead us to the shadow of death. He leads us through the shadow of death. If you're in a dark place, If your thoughts are riddled with anxiety or depression, you're just, your body is aching, whatever it is that's causing you to be weighed down, God is in those low and dark places. And sometimes it's easier to find him there if our ears are open and our eyes can see because he is all that we have in those places. Lord, thank you for being with us in those places. Here we are talking about finding joy in Jesus Christ and sharing, and I'm just trying to figure out that God knows my name and still remembers me. Lord, you know our names. You will always remember us. You have promised to never leave us or forsake us. You know what we need before we even ask. You invite us into relationship, not because you need us, but because you want us. Jesus, you died on the cross for the joy that was set before you so that we could be saved and set free. We want to partner with your love and your power this morning, Lord. We are desperate to partner with your love and your power. We want to help know you. We want your help knowing how much you love us and giving us practical ways that we can live that out and glorify you by the way we love people. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Ooh, listening to them southern preachers. They just, everything's a two-syllable word. That's why their messages are two hours long. Okay, the first five-syllable word. You ready for this? All right, got to keep the people in the second row awake here, all right? Um, uh, God's love is unconventional. It's not what we think, unconventional. Mm -hmm. Five syllables, you heard it first. They might upgrade me to junior high pastor if I start this, you know. Um, Unconventional. It's not what we think. God's love is not what's always done. It's not what we might expect. It's unconventional. It's not what we think. All right. Speaking of unconventional, I'm going to ask you to stand up for a moment. Oh, this is getting really awkward. I just made enemies with six 
68 introverts right now. All right. Okay, what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to get into, this is going to be a very short thing. I want you to get into groups right now, just right where you're at, of three to five people. Three to five. So if you have six in your group, that's two groups. Three to five people, go. Introduce yourselves really quickly. Okay, three to five people, that's enough. All right. Okay. Now that we're like in total awkward mode, all right, let's do this. Here's the question that I want you to answer in your group. This is very simple. Name something that gives off light that you use regularly. Name something that gives off light that you personally use regularly. Go. All right, 30 seconds. When everyone's answered, you can sit down, okay? All right. How many had that person in your group that talked the whole time? No, don't raise your hand. Just kidding. Because I resemble that compliment. Okay. We are created by God. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. Let there be light. Did anyone say phone? Okay. Uh, Did anyone say flashlight? What do you use a flashlight for regularly? I mean, okay, I'm just curious. Uh, God said, let there be light. God created us. And the earth was dark and formless, void and empty. And God said, let there be light. And there was, from the very beginning, God spoke and things happened. And then God created Adam, and then he created, he let Adam name all the animals. And at the, he took seven, God chose to take seven days for creation. And at the end of each day, he said that, looked at what he had made, and he said that it was good. Then he made man, and he said, it is very good. And then he made Adam's day when they were commiserating in heaven, and he said, it is not good for man to be alone. And Adam's like, I think you're right. So he made a woman, and he made Eve, and then there they are, and they're doing all things nice and everything until they did the one thing that God asked them not to do. So the very first two people that God created were naughty, and, uh, and then they got in trouble. They got kicked out of the garden. Well, then they were outside of the garden, but then they started having kids. So they have Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel are right there. God's not giving up on Adam and Eve just because they messed up, but because of their sin and selfishness, their children were born selfish and sinful. That was the fall of man. And so here we are, all redneck cousins of some sort, selfish and sinful, because that's who we are, all right? You might be a redneck if you look at each other and, I don't know, start talking about creation. <clears throat> hey, how do you know if... I can't give you... All right. How would you know if Adam was in this room right now? He'd be the only one without a belly button. Your wife can explain that to you. Okay. Cain and Abel, they brought blessings to God. They brought sacrifices to God. And God honored them, but he honored Abel's sacrifice a little bit more. So Cain got ticked off. And he said, let's go out into the field, buddy, and play some catch. 
you know? <laughs> yeah, the ground is going to catch your blood tonight. And he murders his brother. So here we are, the first four people that were created. Cain, then Cain got kicked out. Adam, Eve, and Cain, three of them were kicked out. The fourth one was murdered. Okay, God could have just said, where's that button? Come on. But he didn't. He didn't give up. He let it go on. He wanted a relationship with us. And then that continued until the time of Noah. And God's, it says that God's heart was filled with pain because every intention of man's heart was evil all the time. Wow, that's bad. But the good thing is that God gave us free will. He gave us the opportunity to do things he didn't want to control us. He wanted to work with us. He didn't want us to work for him. He wanted, invited us to work with him. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the God, in, in the eyes of God. And he, the Bible says that he walked with God and he did what was right when he was around the people. He was a righteous man among the people. That was unique. It's one thing to do right, but it's a harder thing to do what's right when everyone else is not doing what's right. That was Noah. So God saved Noah. And at that moment, God regretted putting man on the earth and he destroyed every living thing that he had created. Wow. You think that he pushed that button. Now, I don't know if there's a button. I mean, maybe the amplified version says something about a button, but I don't think so. Um, God wanted us to be part of his plan. We weren't his provision for his vision. We are his vision. God wants people to be with him. It was for his joy and his delight that he created us. He saved Noah and then Noah's family and gave them another chance. And all of those animals, God gave them another chance. And then he gives us another chance. But yet still, the Bible says, all of us have sinned and we all fall short of God's glory. And the wages of sin, the thing that we earn for our sin, is death. So all of us are sinners. All of us deserve death. And here God is in another predicament. He can't touch the button because what's between him and that button is a rainbow. The rainbow of promise that says, I will never again destroy the earth. Back to what I mentioned before. 1 John 3.1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. We are created by God for relationship. God loves us in our weakness. This is the other unconventional thing that God does. Is he loves us even though we don't deserve it. He loves us in our weakness. We can't earn heaven from our own, so God, on our own. So God sent Jesus. This was his answer this time. I'm going to send my perfect son who knew no sin, and I will let him be sin, and I will pour out all of my wrath that I put on the earth in the days of Noah, and I will put it on my son as he dies upon the cross because I want to save the world, and I want to create another opportunity for men and women and children to be in a right relationship with me, and the only way that they could do that is someone who is perfect can take the punishment that they deserve because imperfect, sinful, selfish humanity, us, cannot stand in the sight of a holy God. So Jesus came to be the bridge for us. Unconventional. God came from heaven to earth to show us the way. Jesus said in John 14, 6, no one comes to the Father except through me. I was visiting a friend of mine um, down in Mount Prospect, Illinois, and uh, we went to college together many years ago, and I went down there, and uh, he'd become a pastor since then, and, uh, ooh, big pastor, you know, and uh, 
So uh, I went down there and uh, was just going to stop in and say hello. You know, hey, we're old buddies. We used to travel together. We used to have a lot of fun together, go to each other's houses. I was there, and, uh, and I went right up to the, ooh, they had a big reception area, you know. And I said, hey, I'm here to see Daryl. You know, oh, do you have an appointment? Felt like I was in Monsters Incorporated, like I was coming up against Roz. What do you want? I mean, nice lady, but... Um, The original Roz. And I said, oh, no, I don't have a point. You know, we went to college together like, you know, like 20 years ago. And here we are. Just, I just wanted to catch up and say, hey, well. Um, and she starts pulling up this, this binder that just seemed larger than life. Well, here's the appointment book. And I said, can I just say hi, you know, down the dark, creepy tunnel? I mean, is he down there? And then she like stands up on the other side of the desk, basically saying, that's not going to happen. Uh, so I said, okay, what well, would you like to make an appointment No. No. So I went back in the hallway, and I'm just like, forget it. I'm just going to go back out to the car. As I'm walking down the steps, there's this, uh, there's this kid uh, running around. And, and uh, I like kids. I'm like, dude, hey, hey, hey. I said, you're Luke, right? He's like, yeah, yeah. Said, uh, I said, yeah, I went to college with your dad. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. I said, but I couldn't get in. I didn't have an appointment. Oh, well, he's in his office. You know, he's a pastor. He's probably watching the golf channel, you know? No, he didn't say that. <laughs> I just like preempting by saying what you guys are thinking, okay? I thought he only worked on Sundays, you know? Um, I said, he's like, well, come on. I know where he is. So he, like, grabs my arm, like, literally, and we starts running up the stairs, and he's over there, you know, boogers coming out of his nose, and he's grabbing me with the other hand, and here we are, and we go up there, and... Uh, we go into there, and there's Roz again, and, um, um, and he lifts up the, the, the counter and still has my hand, and I'm like, <laughs> looking at her, and we're, I'm snaking back, you know, to the office, and, and we go through all that. We go past the copy machine. We go past all the mahogany fancy stuff, and we go past some of the other staff, and, and oh, that guy's got the golf channel on, and, and he goes all the way down to the end of the hall, and... He goes right into the door. Dad, Dave's here to see you. Daryl stands up from behind his desk, comes right around the side. Dave! And he says, come on in. He gives me this huge hug. I looked around to thank Luke, and pew, he was gone, man. He went to go find more donuts or something. Here I was. That was how I used to view God. That I had to have some appointment, that I had to have something really important or something really needy to come to him. But you know what? Jesus says the only way to the Father is through me. I am the only way. And that day, that moment hit me. I'm just like, here I am. This little kid can hardly even see over the counter, and he's the one that has full access to his Father. He didn't even need to knock on the door. And that's what Jesus has done for us. Jesus has paid the price with his own life. He became sin for us. He who knew no sin became sin for us and allowed the wrath of his Father to be poured out upon the cross upon him. And it had to be poured out in its fullness so that God's wrath could be satisfied in his son. And this whole time, Jesus did this. Scripture says, for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. 
Jesus did this because God has always wanted relationship with you and me. And he did this so that we could have access to the Father, not by any works of goodness that we could do, but because of his righteousness, because of the price that he paid. Jesus came, and it was unconventional the way that God let himself come to earth in the form of his son to take the punishment that you and I deserved. Yeah, that's good stuff, people. And you know what? We are on an adventure. God invites us to an adventure. That's something unconventional. I didn't think that living for God was an adventure. I thought it was like, this is where all the fun ends. Buzz kill Malone here. Let's go to church, you know? And um, that is not true. The last thing my life has been since I said all in to Jesus has been boring. You guys, it's not been easy. It's not always been fun. And you know how much I like easy and fun. <laughs> um, but it has not been boring. God has been with me every step of the way, and he has promised to be with us every step of the way. He knows what's coming, and he wants to lead us into those good places that he has for us. I've started exercising this year. Why am I telling you this? Because this is one of my new and exciting things. I've exercised more in the first month of this year than I have in the last two years combined. Why is that funny? Um, <laughs> So you ever notice I'm always out with people? I figure if I shake hands tight and I give good hugs, people think I'm in shape. Man, you're in shape, you know? And then I finally started exercising with my wife. And uh, in the morning, we got, I mean, it's not, it's not like a huge exercise deal, okay? It's just, I realized that when she was showing me some stretches, that I was reaching my target heart rate just by stretching. And I'm just like, okay, <laughs> we're going to have to start slow, baby, you know? And uh, so here we are. And then... This is so, you know, like probably four or five days a week where I'm doing a little 15 minute routine and uh, and I stopped biting my nails this year. That's another thing. OK, see, these are the things that children's pastors have to worry about. You know, just it's the little things. What's new and exciting flavor of the day. Stop biting my nails and I'm doing a push up here and there. OK, <laughs> and I love God, love my family and I want to make a difference in this world. OK, who says Dave Bechtold's complicated? You guys are like, none of us. <laughs> Oh, if you've ever been into my office, it doesn't look like much of an office. You guys are fun, by the way, all right? I mean, you're fun, too, but this was just a... Okay, we work... Is the camera WD-40 working today? Okay, because I'm all over the place. I've got this in my office, and I love it. Greg Boyd says, the issue of our value and worth has been settled. We should now live our lives to express it rather than trying to get it. The issue of our value and worth has been settled. Jesus has declared us worthy. We should now live our lives to express our value and our worth rather than trying to earn it again. I love that. Once we realize who we are in Christ, it sets us free to be who he created us to be. Easier said than done, but it's true and legit. There was a commandment or a, uh, one of the Pharisees, a teacher in the law came up to Jesus in Matthew 22 and he said, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? It sounds so innocent, but these guys were out to trick him and try to trip him up and they wanted it to go viral so they could, you know, get all kinds of bad press on him. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Then Jesus went on to tell the story of the Good Samaritan. But Jesus said, the commandments are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Because he knew 
how much we love ourselves sometimes. The way for us to become less selfish, church, family, friends, is by knowing the selfless one. Jesus' life was not taken from him. He said, no one takes my life. I give it willingly. And he's inviting us on this adventure to say the same thing. He's not taking our life. He's inviting us to give it willingly. He's inviting us to love outside the lines, unconventionally, in a crazy, radical, life-changing, world-impacting way. For the joy set before us, even when it's uncomfortable, awkward, difficult, press into God because he gave everything for you. Second, God's love is predictable, unpredictable, unpredictable. Second, five-syllable word, baby. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. (laughs) First of all, be nice. I uh, I don't know if you guys you know Pastor Derek. Uh, If you get around Pastor Derek, you're probably going to get a hug from him. And if you notice, he always smells good. You know. I used to think he was just covering because he didn't shower very often, but I realized that's not true. Um, he's got this cologne, and it just smells good. I just like hugging him because then for like the next 45 minutes, I smell good. You know, I smell good because I've been with Pastor Derek, you know? And uh, so here I am, you know, I'm like, I, I haven't worn cologne since Polo and Drakkar were, you know, a thing. I apologize for those of you who are still in that business, but... Uh, so we're at Target one time, and they've got, I see these, usually at Target, you know, my wife, most of you know, my wife sends me to go sit on some of the comfy furniture while she does the real shopping. And uh, so I found all of these uh, cologne testers. Ooh, ooh, what do I do, you know? So I don't want to, like, put them all on me, so I'm over here, like, in the men's aisle. There's, like, eight of them, and I'm like, you know. But I didn't want to like get it on my clothes because I wanted, I want, you know, it's kind of like if you're doing like a, a tasting, you know, you got to take the little cracker in between. You, you want to get the pure smells. Ah, ooh, I don't like that one. It reminds me of my first grade teacher and she was weird. Okay. Um, ooh. And then I got towards the end and I like found one that, ooh, I like. My, my wife is super simple when it comes to this stuff. She hardly wears jewelry, hardly wears makeup. Cologne is the last thing that she would... S- see worthwhile spending money on, you know, and, uh, and so, but I had my daughter there. It's great because my wife and my daughter, if I could get both of them on the same page about something, I might be able to get this. And, uh, so I said, casually, I said, put some on my wrist and I went by them. Hey, do you smell that? My wife is completely ignoring me because she's got a list and I'm not on the list. (laughs) (laughs) My wife goes through Target so fast, this is not a joke, that her phone GPS thinks she's driving. <laughs> this, is, I, this is not a joke. She is dangerous. If you see someone that, like blurred in Target, I will text her while she's in Target, and it will get an auto response and say, your wife is driving right now, and she can't take calls. <laughs> Crazy. Silly, vintage caramel macchiatos at the front of the store. <clears throat> so I overdid this cologne. I ended up getting it. And it was my week to bring my daughter and her friends to school. So I'm like, you know, the shuttle. I'm, 
And I'm pretty excited about wearing my cologne to work and one-upping Pastor Derek. Well, that's always a goal. It's just a matter of how I'm going to try to accomplish it. (laughs) um, And I am out getting the car all ready. And Hannah comes in and her friend comes in and they're both just, (laughs) they both start coughing. (laughs) And this is the one daughter that was not with me when I bought the cologne. And, uh, yeah, what, what is, what happened in here? You know, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's my new cologne. Dad, I mean, she's rolling down the windows. It's 10 below zero. And they're just like, dad, it's way too much, you know? And, and then, and she's like, now we got to go pick up Christy. And I'm just like, oh, well, should we have the car smell bad or have it be really cold? She's like, cold. And so she... <laughs> So we're riding over to Christy's place, and Hannah's apologizing to Christy the entire way there. Um, it smelled bad, and we were cold. I thought it smelled great. It was just a little too much. So anyway, if you're going to love people, don't overdo it. Don't. Just be nice. Be sensible. I was with a guy. Oh, this is painful to even think about, but it's not my pain, so I'll tell it. <laughs> uh, and he just was a talker, 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 talker. Can you just, I can't stand people that smile and talk all the time. Like, what are they hiding? And then I look in the mirror. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's me. Um, he's just talking to this girl, this girl, and she's like, just like, I could just see her reeling up. And he just starts asking her questions. Oh, yeah, so what are you going to do? And just, and she's not saying anything. And I'm like just getting awkward for the both of us. I'm like, Aah! And she, he finally takes a breath. And she's like, I'm sorry. I have an allergic reaction to invasiveness. <laughs> I am like, oh, I am like, I love you, girl. I mean, <laughs> oh, it was so great because... I'm like, maybe she'll be the one to finally let this guy know that he's over the top. And, uh, and he kind of did, tail between the legs, and he walked away. And I just, I loved that moment. I sweat with delight just thinking about it. <laughs> but, but I remember that. I have an allergic reaction to invasiveness. Anybody get people that come a little bit too close and you haven't given him the key to the yard yet. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Help. All right. <laughs> I want you to stand up and meet your friends again. Seriously. Okay, your enemies. Whatever they were, stand up and, and connect with your... Yeah. Apparently, apparently the friendship thing didn't get accomplished first. All right. <laughs> okay. Here's the question. Name one thing that you do almost every day. Name one thing that you do almost every day. Go. And when you're done, sit down. Well, you guys live pretty exciting lives. All right, when you're done, you may sit down. Okay? 
And if you didn't finish, it just means that you probably need to take someone to brunch after the service because they are dying to know what the heck you do every day. <laughs> Not. All right. Um, so we are creatures of patterns and habits. I kind of fuss about patterns and habits once in a while, um, unless they're naughty habits. No, I'm just teasing. Um, but you never know when an opportunity to share your faith might present itself. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So don't be overdosing on the cologne. Don't be so invasive. Even if you have good things to say, people need to have to give you permission to speak into their lives sometimes. So be prepared to give an answer, but give it in a way that's with gentleness and respect. So here we are. We talked about the things that we do every day. Um, I hope you guys kept it clean because it's kind of like it's a family show. All right. Um, Our hearts can take us places that our brains can't reach. And this is just what I want to encourage you with. Our brains often get into patterns and systems and we do what we know. We do what we're comfortable with. We do what we're good at. And for some of that's us, you know, that's not a whole lot of things that we're comfortable with. We just want to lock in, be around the people that we know, the places that we like, and the things that we're comfortable with. But when God touches your heart, when God opens up your heart to see how much he is in love with you in your weakness, how much he longs for a relationship with you, how much he wants to go on this adventure with you, then life is not going to be the same. And you're no longer going to be simply guided by your brain and what you know and what you've always done. Your heart can take you places that your brain won't fit. What does that mean? That's exactly my point. You know, but then here's me. I got to start. I got I to... I got to activate my brain once in a while because sometimes my heart gets carried away and then, you know, and then we go broke and then, you know, and my wife's just like, think next time. Thank you, sweetheart. Yeah, I didn't let her come this morning. She said, I don't want to anyway. No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> Last week we were at a restaurant. Uh, I was with a friend of mine and I'm a pretty outgoing guy, and we're there, and the, and the waitress was coming over to our table and just really serving us well, and, and, uh, and the friend that I was with uh, says to her, he says, hey, we're getting ready to pray for our meal. Is there anything we can pray for you about? He said, uh, and I'm like, okay, that's, that's pretty good, and then he kept talking, I'm like, blah, blah, blah. and I'm like, okay, wait, and he says, you know, um, you know, I believe in God, and I believe that in a God that can do miracles. Do you, you need any Something miraculous done in your life. And, and even me, I'm Mr. Extrovert, you know, and I'm just like, I was just pushing it. You don't have the keys to her yard. <laughs> and she stops from moving away, and she's like, well, she starts talking about a time when she went to youth camp as a teenager. And she says, you know what, and I really sensed God there and saw some things that I hadn't seen since then. And I'm like, you dirty dog. I'm the pastor here. Come on. I'm... Let me get some of the credit. So, uh, so then he says, well, could I say a prayer for you right now? That punk. Remember, those are my words. I taught us that. Can I say a prayer for you? And he's like, I'm just using your script. So he's right there, right in the restaurant. She's holding drinks in one hand, and he's praying for her in the other. And, uh, and he gets done. She's almost in tears, completely grateful 
that he was bold enough just to express some love. But you know what? As I thought about what he did, every step of the way, he asked her questions. He asked her permission. She could have said, no thanks, I'm busy, don't want to talk. She could have done a whole bunch of other things. But because he had permission, he did it with gentleness and respect. And I think it's going to make a difference just in how she thinks about things. And it made a difference in me just watching him at work. I just thought I'd share that. 1 John 3.18 says, Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And I know we've heard Pastor Tom say this many times, but it's true. We don't have to be that great at our job because God is really good at his. God's just looking to live his life and to express his love outside the lines in ways that might not be normal, that might not be predictable. He's asking us to be ready to partner with him, to be led by our hearts sometimes more than our brains and what we're comfortable with. God wants to take us places that sometimes our brains won't fit because God's ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And he has invited us on an adventure. And he's inviting us to be faithful. When I was a children's pastor, this was probably 18 years ago. I mean, now I'm 20 years in. But one of the first, you know, couple years of me doing this, um, there was a, I was teaching and I was pretty excited about what was happening. And, um, and somewhere in the back of the room, uh, during the middle of my talk, uh, someone sneezed, you know, and, uh, and apparently I, you know, said, uh, bless you. And I just kept going on. Uh, it was just kind of, I didn't think much about it at all. Two summers ago, two summers ago, 2016, uh, we do children's camp, and I was doing a team training with all of our volunteers, all of our teen and young adult volunteers, um, just about the importance of little things making a big impact in a kid's life. And this beautiful young woman in her 20s um, raises her hand, and I said, yes, Sydney. And uh, she said, when I was a little girl, I went to Mad City Church, and my cousin took me there. And I didn't know anybody, and I sat in the back, and I remember I had to sneeze. And she's like, I did not want to sneeze. She's like, I didn't want to draw any attention to myself. And then here I am, and here you are in the middle of your talk. And she says, and I sneezed, and you stopped everything, and you looked back at me and said, bless you. She said, that was 18 years ago. And she said, in that moment, I thought to myself, as that six-year-old girl I matter. I matter. And she's standing up with our 30 volunteers. She's in tears. I'm in tears. We go and just hug each other. I'm like, Sydney, I had no idea. She's like, Pastor Dave, that little thing made such a difference in my life as that six or seven-year-old girl that you would stop what you were doing to bless me. Oh my goodness, you guys, you never know when you have an opportunity and it might not even involve your words or this big speech or a whole big sacrificial action. It's just being attentive to the people that are around you and being ready for things that you couldn't predict. Letting God lead you by your heart more than by your habits. Christ in me is the hope of glory. 
But I believe that Christ coming out of me is the whole reason that Christ is in me for the first place. Jesus is not here, present, physically, walking this earth anymore. We are his representatives. We get to represent Jesus. We get to represent him to people. Christ in us is the hope of glory, but Christ coming out of us is the whole reason in the earth that he's in us in the first place. So that we could be saved, rescued from our selfishness and our sin, and live a life that's loving other people in ways that we could not possibly predict. Finally, God's love is unconditional. It's not what we deserve. My wife was so gracious to see things in me that I did not see in myself. I was a long hair, prideful, arrogant jerk. Um, I was a jerk because I was filled with me. I wanted to be the center of attention. I was the Pharisee. I went to church, but I didn't want Jesus or anybody else to be the center of attention. I wanted to be the center of attention. And she saw something in me. Well, she saw all of that, pride and arrogance, but she saw something in me, and God led her to be patient with me, and he led me to see how beautiful she was. And the very first conversation that she had with me When she moved down to Mount Prospect, Illinois, where I was, I went and I introduced myself to her. And she said, my name's Sarah, and I'm not going to date anybody until God tells me it's the person I'm going to marry. I'm like, girl. Oh, that's probably not going to be me. (laughs) And I went to a chapel service where I saw her worshiping. Everyone else was following the words. She was following her heart. It was like this beam from heaven was over her, and she was not even opening her eyes. She was having this conversation with Jesus, and I was enamored with what I saw. I want what she has. And she says, that's not going to happen until you get some things right. And I'm not going to be the one to show you until you get some more things right, in so many words. Galatians 5, 6. It says, in Christ Jesus, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And we love because he loved us, what? He loved us first. So we can't love in a pure way unless we realize how much we are loved by God. So you guys, I'm not here today saying be more like me. That's, the world doesn't need more of me. The world doesn't need more of you. The world needs you. The world needs me. God wants to use us, the way that he made us, the gifts that he's put in us, the Christ that is in us to express the hope of glory to others by the way we live our lives, by the way we spend our money, by the way we love and bless people, by the way that we are attentive to the needs of those around us. And we shine his light by opening up ourselves, opening up our homes, opening up our wallets, and just living extravagant generosity with everything that God has given us so that others might have a chance to know the hope that we have. I want to inspire you to know Jesus more and become who he made you to be. Hope. I got to go to, a, uh, to Russia many years ago, and we went with this band, this grunge Christian rock band, and back then, you couldn't even put those three words together. Um, but we went over there, and we would go into these prisons, and we would, as we were in the prisons, we went into this one high security prison. Um, and these guys got their band together and they put, um, we, we were in a room or out in a 
courtyard about this size, and there were 20-foot chain-link fences all the way around, and these prisoners came out once the band got ready to play. And these guys started jamming, and there were just prisoners on the outside of this fence, just like, you know, it was like Johnny Cash at Folsom Prison, you know, with like, just lit up, man. And these guys were just going, and, and we sang this song, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom, freedom. And we learned it in Russian. Svoboda is freedom. And, and just Travis Agnew, I don't know if you know him, but he was just screaming and wailing, Svoboda, Svoboda, freedom. And these, the prisoners are like, freedom. And, and the, the, the security came out, unplugged the instruments and whisked us off of there. They were afraid that a riot was going to start. We're just, he's leading them in this Russian chant, freedom, freedom. freedom. And these guys were, he said, if we didn't get you out of there, they would have pummeled those fences and they would have killed you guys. And, okay. Thank you. Spasiba. Uh, well, Unconditional love gives people a glimpse of freedom and a ray of hope. People want what you have when you're living a life that is filled with joy and freedom. I know we just went through um, the four uh, core beliefs that we have. Come as you are. Connect with God. Connect with people and contend for more of his presence. But something that we are all about is finding joy in Jesus Christ and sharing it. And that is what we love because he loved us first. We find joy in him. And then we share it. And now, 1 Corinthians 13 goes talking about all what love is. And at the end it says, and now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So to bring this full circle... In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And there was light. Then Jesus came as God's answer to our selfishness and our sin. And Jesus was the light that had come into the dark world. And I believe, as I've been praying for this church, as I've been praying for us, that God is saying today, let there be light. And that light is us. Jesus turned to us Turn to his people and he says, you are the, light of a, are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. One does not get a light and then bury it. One puts it out there on a lampstand so that all can see and benefit from its light. You guys, it's one thing for one, one of us, you know, or a few of us to like get excited about Jesus. But what if as a church... We let God live his life however he wanted to in us and through us. What if we were ready to be unconventional, unpredictable, and love unconditionally like God loves us? Anointed by the power of his Holy Spirit, led by the heart of God. What would happen? There's this beautiful thing called the unity of the Spirit. That if we're trusting God for these things, it might be messy, but it's not going to go off track. Because we're unified by the Spirit and we're trusting in Jesus. We love because he first loved us. And I just want to remind us to not work for God because you will get in the way. Instead, let's work with God and let him lead the way. Could I have the musicians come forward? That sounds so powerful. Could I have my band come forward, please? Sorry. I want to read this 
it's Super Bowl Sunday. Most of you are going to remember the game. So, I wrote this poem a couple weeks ago. I woke up with it. I'm going to invite you to stand up just because it's not fair that I get to do all this walking around and you don't. Jesus went out of bounds. We're going to close with this. Jesus went out of bounds and the clock stopped while God was formulating his final winning play. Jesus ran for the joy set before him. Out of bounds, he left heaven and came to earth. The clock stopped because everyone waited as Jesus hung there on the cross and then laid there in the grave. In heaven, huddled up, the play that would win the game for all time was revealed and then made. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, God's son from the grave, to set us free and give us new life and new hope, to save us from our sins, from this world, so that we could enter his rest and that he could enter his celebration. Victory like no other, a play that had never been executed and frankly, a plan that could be carried out by no one else. God executed his play as we executed his son. We tasted the victory from God's winning play. Ticker tape parade, dancing in the street, joyful celebration by the masses for the one who stepped out of bounds, yea, ran out of bounds, executing the play, sacrificing all that he had. Jesus scored, and we win. The plan was made. The play was executed. God's play was Jesus, and God's victory is ours. We love because he first loved us. Let's love outside the lines, starting now. And I know a lot of us already do that, but let's just open ourselves up to whatever God might have as we leave this building, as we go into our daily lives. Let's dare to make a difference and let's dare to see what God might do when we say a full-on yes to him. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to close the service with a prayer. If you have children, this is going to be your time to go get them. But uh, we're not in a hurry to leave this room. If you want prayer, come and get prayer this morning. If you want to linger, worship, soak, do it. God, thank you for loving us so much, for sending your son to die upon the cross. You showed us your love when Jesus died on the cross and you revealed your power when you raised him from the grave. And all we need to do to experience that forgiveness, that right relationship with God is to ask him, God, forgive me. If that's you today, just say, God, forgive me. Forgive me of my selfishness. Forgive me of my sin. Thank you for being the punishment that I deserve. I want to be friends with God. Yeah. Amen. Happy Sunday. God bless you guys.